Welcome to From the Ground Up, a podcast about small business funding, entrepreneurship, and current events that influence them. Powered by Tenant Financial Group. Good morning, everybody. It's great to be back with you on From the Ground Up, our podcast about current events and various things that affect business in our world today, and there is plenty to talk about. Today's show, we've got some interesting discussion around the disruption that's happening in the business marketplace. There's a lot of industries that are struggling. There's a lot of industries where people have been furloughed. And today we're going to talk about one that may be affected as much as any industry out there, and that's the airline industry. We've got some special guests on today's show. Obviously, Derek Skogsberg with Tenant Financial Group is front and center as my co-host on From the Ground Up. We've also got two other special guests that come from very unique positions in the space and in the scope of this discussion. Bill Sims with PBS Gurus is kind of an industry insider when it comes to two aspects, and and I'll let him give a a better explanation of what that is. But from the industry, of the airline industry, as well as the post-military perspective. We also have with us today someone who's been a guest on our show once before. That's Jack Johnson with the Franchise Insiders. And what we want to talk about today is how we're able, how we have seen industries that have been furloughed utilize the tools that are available in the franchising world to really find some success and to get some things going in their life and to meet some of the goals for them and their families. So welcome to today's show. We're excited to have everybody on the show today. Let's kind of go around the horn and do some introductions. Derek, how are things going for you? Life is good in the world of Tenant Financial Group. Leads are way up. Lots of inquiries. Lots of people looking and shopping for businesses as this pandemic has gone on and people have been outsourced or downsized, furloughed, pink slipped, whatever you want to call it. They've jumped into uh, the unemployment world, unfortunately, for a while, but those benefits are are slowly beginning to exhaust themselves. And so as as they're getting to the end of that timeline, they're starting to think real seriously about what are they going to do next? And if I can't go get a job, then then what? For so many people, that means buying a business. And so life has just gotten really, really busy at Tenant Financial Group. I expect to see that continue really on into fourth quarter and maybe at, at an increased pace. So much of what we're doing right now are the service-based deals, man-in-a-van concepts. Everything service is, is being sold right now, and people are buying those up like crazy. So a lot of rollover transactions, a lot of small SBA loans, your inline units, your leasehold space is coming, but that's kind of phase two in this time horizon that we're in. And then the freestanding units, your your big uh, box stores, your, your brick and mortar, that's very much the hardest deals to get done right now. So that's kind of what we've been doing. Life's really, really busy. I expect to see that continue. Absolutely right. Jack, I'll throw the ball to you and give us an update on what you've been seeing on the franchise development side of things. How are things in your world? Things are exciting as always. And we, in fact, just worked together with Derek, with a client of ours, with Tenet Financial, to help them become owners of what we consider to be one of the most cutting edge uh, healthcare franchises. They got a great territory, great ability to grow, just a fabulous business. So we were able to collaborate there. In terms of what my company is doing, being the matchmakers of franchising, we're helping on average about two people a week become franchise owners. And so there's a lot of clarity into where the market is going. 
Like Derek said, I mean, people are investing in businesses that make sense now and in the future and in normal times and hard times. And so, you know, anyone that works with Franchise Insiders, my firm is going to get real clairvoyance into where the market is going, where people are investing and where they're succeeding. So, yeah, it's an exciting time to be in the world of new business ownership. Bill, I'll turn to you. You're kind of our special, special guest today on on this episode. You bring a unique perspective. And I think this show really is in a lot of ways geared around you and your kind of tribe of folks that are out there. Tell us what's going on around your industry. That's a tough question to answer because I feel like I have two lives here, two sides of my personality. As an airline pilot for American Airlines, it's pretty bleak out there. I have a lot of friends facing furlough. I'm fortunate to not be facing furlough immediately, but if another bite of the apple comes, I'll certainly be looking down the barrel of that. So on that side, it's bleak. I'm hopeful for a lot of reasons, but I've been a serial entrepreneur for a number of years. I run pbsgurus.com. It's a it's a bidding service for pilots and flight attendants to help them get good schedules. And then also Spitfire Elite's a new project. Spitfireelite.com is a new project for uh, interview coaching. I run lifeafterthebeat.com. I'm a co-owner of that. And what that is, is a veteran services organization. And so on that side of the, the fence, there's a lot of opportunities on the business side. I see a lot of opportunities, but the airline side is obviously very bleak. So I'm trying to help my veteran service organization see some of these opportunities that you guys are were, were just mentioning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You mentioned the, the industry looking really bleak. What's happening for these guys who are furloughed? I mean, take us kind of a day in the life of what's going on, how things have progressed and, and the ebb and flow of that and paint a picture on really what that current landscape looks for them. Yeah, it's really tough. This industry was on a tear. I mean, pilots had, I was such a champion of the industry. No reason to think that anything could stop this incredible career. If you're transitioning out of the military or even from this, the non-military world to the pilot, the guys that are hit hardest are the guys in the first two to three years. So that, that demographic of your first two, three, five years of the airline, your pay is just starting to ramp up. You're feeling comfortable. A lot of people are closing on new homes. They have small kids. They're starting to see that income grow. So they've probably might have leaned into that private school or, or whatever. And now there's guys literally that are facing furlough in six days, but we don't know. We're in complete limbo with Congress and, and are they going to help us out? And we're in total limbo with that right now. So guys literally don't know if they're going to have a job in six days or not. And then there's a whole nother wave of people that are 36 days out from not having a job, uncertainty undersells it by an order of magnitude. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Derek, you've seen disruptions like this going way, way back. How do you help somebody who's facing this kind of uncertainty? I think a lot of it really is born out of clarity to the extent that we can bring clarity to people, help them really understand as it relates to buying businesses, help them understand really what their financial options are. What are the pros and cons of various transactions? And, and what you've seen over time as you, as you consult with people, once they attain that aha moment, I like to call it kind of that, that moment where they go, okay, I get it. I understand how I can do this. That's where that's kind of a point of acceleration in the deal-making process where people, they realize that they can do this. They, they now realize how to do this. And that's where somebody like Jack in our wheelhouse, it gets very, very ingrained in the work that we do because we can send clients back to a guy like Jack and say, listen, these people can get this done. They can buy something in this dollar range and Jack can take them through the world 
of small business ownership and franchise development and really paint a picture for them that they can know, understand, and take ownership in. Jack, tell us about what are some of the common misconceptions that people have when they're thinking about, I don't know if I can start a business. I've got a job. I've got this lack of security. I need to do something, but I don't know if I can go this far with cranking up another business. How would you answer that question? I think that it's it's really understandable that people are nervous about the thought of business ownership. I think that when you're used to drawing a salary, it's a whole other world, but franchising makes the whole process so much more predictable. And when you're able to work with a professional franchise consultant, such as the firm that my wife, Jill, and I own, the Franchise Insiders, we really do look at the whole picture holistically. And so we want to talk to people about what kind of cash they have available to invest in a business, what kind of time they have available to invest invest in a business, what their territory looks like. So we really do, we don't leave any stone unturned. And just to give you guys an idea, I mean, on any given day, there are about 600 franchises that we've approved that we believe are smart financial plays. We are absolute franchise watchdogs. So if we see somebody growing too fast, going too slow, not taking care of their franchisees, we will bounce them out of our system. And so the immediate filter that we add into the process is helping our clients focus on smart franchise opportunities that make sense. So I I really think for someone that is looking into business ownership that truly wants to do it, we can help them find the right fit and franchisors There's a belief that pilots make very good franchise owners, former military makes great franchise owners because you guys follow systems. You understand the importance of following systems. Bill, I watched a video of a third world, somehow it came up on my feet, a third world airline, third country airline. I don't know what the right term is. Anyways, the airplane was all lined up to go on the runway. I think it was a 737. No flaps down. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the airplane gets halfway down its takeoff rolls and the flaps extend down. The plane takes off safely. Here in the United States, what would they have done? They would have aborted that. T- There's no way they even get on the runway with no flaps down. So my point with all of this is that if you are systems driven and you have to be to operate safely, then franchising is a safe landing spot for pilots. Mm-hmm. Bill, tell us a little bit about some of the characteristics. I mean, Jack, you did a great job of touching on that, but take us kind of in the mindset of former military as well as pilots. How do they think? What are some of the questions that they would have around this topic? That's a great question because what's interesting about pilots is you might look at us and we, we love that persona of we're risk takers and we're borderline crazy. And, and the funny thing is, I, th- I think we're actually quite risk averse. Like I can fly an F-18 b- between two narrow mountains at 550 miles an hour and three, four, 500 feet off the ground, you might think that's crazy and risky. Well, you know, I had a phenomenal training syllabus. I had a phenomenal instructor, several of them, that have really removed the majority of the risk out of that. We've studied it. And unfortunately, a lot of that. So the thing about military, to answer your question, is that our entire careers, we've had someone 10 months, 12 months in front of us that's already done what we've done, who's got the gouge, who has the roadmap to success. If you want to get a certain aircraft out of flight school, or if you want to go to Top Gun or go fly the president, there's someone that you can find that's done that and they can say, here's what works for me. And so that makes that path very, very attainable. And that's no different as we transition to airlines. Our our veteran services website, Life After the Boat, is to provide that roadmap for for airlines. That's what we we started doing. What I'm finding, what my new passion is, those roadmaps tend to not really exist for small business ownership. I mean, my my businesses, I'm out there. The analogy to aviators is like, 
I went back in time to like World War II aviation where there were no rules, there were no safety protocols, no safety systems, and the accident rate was through the roof. I cannot explain to you my accident rate. Fortunately, it's much more forgiving. I have lost thousands of dollars making mistakes along the way, figuring stuff out. That's been a challenge. So my goal is to to help us find roadmaps to successful business ownership. I think that is our favorite thing about franchising is that anything that you're going to work with is going to be so proven, is going to have that roadmap that you don't make those mistakes. They don't want you to make the mistakes. You don't want to make the mistakes. That's what we love so much about franchising is how inherently predictable it is. Jack, it's interesting about, you look at the, let me just speak to the military, the military pilots, right? We tend to think of ourselves almost as, hey, we, all we know how to do is fly. But when you look at the opportunities we get in the military, for example, I was fairly early on in my Marine Corps career, I was allowed to be a company commander. Tremendous honor. I was I was in charge of 160 Marines to prepare them for a ground-based deployment. And I'm just a dumb F-18 pilot. And they said, hey, go do this. And, you know, I had some phenomenal help and I had to rely on my help and organize them. So the experience that the military pilots get in running an organization, I think, translates really well to business ownership, whether it's a franchise and I'm afraid that they don't know how well-suited they are for these types of things. And, and Jack, I'd love to hear, I'm sure you've had some some military folks, pilots folks come through your system. And I'd, I'd be curious to hear how that goes. Yeah, it's funny. I was just talking to, to a uh, client yesterday. He was a uh, A4 pilot in for the Marines, actually, in the 70s. He wanted something that was absolutely absentee, wanted to spend more time with family, has a day job that he likes at this point. And so we found he has a business that he owns that we've helped a lot of clients invest in, which is 100% absentee. And you're going to laugh when I tell you this. It's in vending. (laughs) But this is a deal where it returns 16% on cash. And so for a pilot who wants to, you know, look, have a business, have something they can invest in. This is a great sort of a deal because look, let's say you have 300,000 sitting in your 401k. And if you're lucky, that 300,000 is making you 2%. It is worth rolling into a business like this that can make 16% and make you 40, 50 grand a year. Heck, this, I mean, you buy enough of these machines, it's just really all volume. You can make $100,000 a year. On the other side of it, we've had a um, captain of a major carrier invest in a healthcare franchise. He stayed on the line, had his daughter, his daughter runs the business full time, but he owns the business asset. And last I checked, they were adding more locations. So what I like about right now for pilots is that, look, we can start with lower investment businesses. They can they can work on them full time, learn the business. And then when it's time to go back to the line, when we do return to normal and we are going to get back to normal, they'll have a business that's growing. So there's so many different things, whether it's semi-absentee, absentee, full-time. That's the beauty of our little service is that, you know, we know where people are investing and succeeding and where that roadmap exists. And that's just, again, I I think for pilots, look, the idea of an absentee business is great, but that skill set that you have, that leadership, I mean, the ability to operate in a stressful situation I was just listening to, and if you can't tell, guys, I'm a bit of an app geek. I am only, only am qualified to fly a Cessna 172, but I love aviation. Come from a family of pilots. In fact, my cousin flies for American. My uncle flew for American. So I was listening the other day to a transcript of a Embraer 170 pilot that I guess the the trim it was like a runaway trim problem. Does that sound right, Bill? Yeah, that's very current. 
So I'm listening to these these young guys. They're flying for whatever Sky West or something like that. Here they are, maybe 25, 28, dealing with a serious flight control issue. And I'm just listening to the calm in their voice as they work this this problem. And I'm like, well, these guys just, you have to be so cool under pressure. I mean, that's more pressure than I've ever faced as a business owner. So I I do think it really can be child's play in some cases for, for pilots transitioning to business ownership. You know, you mentioned absentee businesses, but what I found really great about this profession is there's some phenomenally qualified people in this profession. Just you look at just the military group that I'm associated with. I mean, we've got MBAs, Harvard grads. We have, I mean, people with phenomenal educations, phenomenal work experience, done some really great things, fellowships. We just love to fly and they come back to this airline career. But here's the unique thing about the airline career. You mentioned absentee businesses. And this is just me from my experience. It's a phenomenal business ownership career because your airline flying companies usually allow us to flex up and flex down our schedule. So if I need to really invest in a new business venture for the next month or two, I can fly half time. And the company's okay with that because generally speaking, there's other pilots willing to pick up the load. And then on other, once the business is in orbit and doing well, I can go back up to my normal schedule. I, I think from from a pilot point of view and what's helped me with my business is the days I fly are generally speaking flexible. If I have big business events, I can flex my business or, or my airline schedule around that. The same can be said for, for flight attendants, as a matter of fact, who are under unbelievable pressure right now with, with the current state. But yeah, my experience that I love about this is... I don't feel like I'm hurting my family in terms of their, my time with them. I feel like I'm a, I'm, I'm a decent dad and I get a, a good amount of time with my kids and I'm still running a business and flying a, a full airline schedule. You know, if we look at the franchises, the business opportunities that have really sold the most and for anyone that kind of wants to stay up on what's happening in franchising, we do try to release as much as possible if you follow us on Facebook where the trends are going. And so if we look at like the last week, for example, Bitcoin ATM machines have been selling like crazy. Those are really neat little money-making opportunities that are 100% absentee. On the other side of it, there is a flooring franchise. Everybody's going crazy, wanting to change their home. I mean, I've told you guys I'm moving. People are changing the floors of their home. There's a flooring franchise that does all of the lead generation, appointment setting. They have the whole back end taken care of. And four people have invested in that over the past week. So if we look at the trending, and those are two businesses alone, Bill, that when we talk about what makes sense for pilots, I love that this flooring company has the whole back end taken care of for you. By way of other example, the Bitcoin ATM, 100% absentee. It might not even be in your talent and it's making money for you. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. You know, you mentioned having the back end taken care of. That's what I've struggled with the most in my business. I mean, I, I feel like I've got good ideas. I'm great thinking six months in ahead, but the operational stuff from day to day is where I struggle the most. That's definitely my weakness. So it would be a relief to have that done. Well, on the other side of it, and, and David, I know you've got something you probably want to talk to here in a second, but just one more thing to add. When we help a client at Franchise Insiders, we do aim to be a partner with them even once they become a franchise owner. And I'll give you an example of where that partnership paid off yesterday. We have a client that recently became a franchise owner and sometimes new franchise owners can get a little too excited about the opportunity. And so he went to training, he owns a great territory, but all of a sudden that little thought of, hey, wait a second, there's some available territory right next door to me. I think I should buy it. 
And so he was talking with the franchisor about that and the franchisor was in discussions. And so he came to me and he said, hey, what do you think about this idea? And I said, well, are, are you profitable yet? Well, no, we just started. Well, how much cash do you have in the bank? And so I was able to give some advice and just say, look, if I were you, and I know from when Jill and I started Franchise Insiders, we started with a pretty good cash runway. And I, and I honestly think that that saved us because it's important that when you start a business, you have a really clear mindset, you have a healthy mindset, and you're not stressed out about money. And so that's something we're always happy to offer counsel to our clients through all types of different situations and provide an additional voice because, look, the bottom line is we want people to truly succeed and thrive in business ownership. And just like you, Bill, Jill and I have made our share of mistakes, and we don't want other our clients to repeat those mistakes. So I'm going to break this down even a little bit further for our listeners and, and specifically, Bill, for some of your audiences. Where do I get started? And I'm going to go around the room a little bit on this. Derek, the first question in my mind is, how do I finance something like this? What's the answers? There's a variety of ways that businesses can be financed. So much of it comes down to personal tolerance for risk, especially when we're talking about borrowing money. You oftentimes run into situations where you've got a, a husband and wife and, and the husband's found this, this great idea or the wife has and, and the other spouse, the one that's not pursuing the business or not maybe as engaged in the process with somebody like Jack, for instance, in identifying a business, they might not be as interested in, in number one, the business and number two, the collateral obligations that come along with borrowing money. So pledging the roof over your head might not be as appealing to one spouse versus the other. So personal talents for risk comes into this a lot. How you go about it, really, there's two ways. It's it's debt or it's equity. Those are the two ways that businesses are, are funded. Within that realm of debt, there's, of course, SBA loans, term loans, unsecured lines of credit, equipment leases, depending on the concept. There's a variety of ways that debt can be deployed, including home equity loans. And then on the equity side of the equation, so oftentimes is the case, we're dealing with retirement plans. I mean, people in this country are asset rich and cash poor. I know that's painting with a broad brush, but it's largely true. The assets people have are in their home equity, okay, and in their retirement plans. And so do I want to spend the roof over my head? Maybe, maybe not. Okay. Do I want to spend that retirement plan money? More often than not, that's where people turn for that if they're getting a loan 10, 20, 30% cash down, or they're funding the deal entirely through their retirement plans. And so it really depends on that personal tolerance for risk on the individual side, the type of business they're looking to to acquire. Because the truth is cash is king. I think Jack touched on it a while ago. When people start a business, you want to start overcapitalized. You want to give yourself as, as long as a, of a runway to stick with the airline theme, as long of a runway as you possibly can when you're starting a business. And cash is king. One of the things that is true, is absolutely true in small business ownership, is a small business, a growing small business, absolutely devours cash. And so when people think about starting a business, they think, oh gosh, am I going to have enough money to get through this negative cash flow period, whatever that is, three, six, nine months, a year, whatever. And that's fine. That's important to plan for that. But I will tell you through experience over the past couple of decades, the truth is when somebody is successful in business, when they start their business and more business comes their way than they anticipated, that's when they go under. That's where there's a real moment of risk 
associated with starting a new business because you've got to go out and hire new people, put more trucks on the road. You've got to spend more money to go then earn more money. You can't pursue those large contracts if you've got only a couple of dollars in your pocket to spend. And so people have got to go in overcapitalized and recognize that cash is king in small business. But the truth is a lot of businesses get financed. A lot of them get financed with debt. Many of them get financed with with equity, and it oftentimes comes down to that individual's personal tolerance for risk. What are they willing to risk here in getting this business started? And then that, again, is what's so great about the right franchise ecosystem. The minute that someone becomes a franchise owner in that system, and again, that's that's guys, that's what I look for. I look for that those franchises that I know have the back end because you need to be at all times not only thinking about where you are today, but what is your sales cycle? How long does it take? Where do you need to be? I mean, you might be on top of the world today, but where are you 17 weeks from now? The right franchisor is going to give you the right tools to be constantly managing where you are and giving you clairvoyance into where you're going to be and understanding the real health of your business. And so that's where having the right support team and people will talk to me about this. They'll say, you know, Jack, I don't know how I feel about paying a royalty. It seems like a lot of money. To me, the royalty is the greatest thing. That should be the first bill you pay every month because it is is essentially securing a team of, of industry experts to be at your beck and call. And all they want, all these franchisors want, this isn't like a, a car sales type of a situation. And I do think car sales people get a bad rap, but that's another story. But this is franchisors aren't out there to sell someone something. It's really a big mess if a franchisee is not successful. It goes on the franchisor's record. They have to help that franchisee sell that franchise. So anyways, the whole point of it is that franchisors are very interested in finding the right fit. And that's truthfully why someone like me is able to thrive in a sort of ecosystem like this, because franchisors love working with our firm because they know we're going to bring them the right fit. We're going to have our clients take a franchise personality profile. We are going to get into the weeds with them about their financials and who they are and what they want to accomplish. We're going to make sure we get the spouse on the line because things like that down the line can cost us an opportunity. It's really imperative that if someone's going to engage in this, that they they do trust the process because if they do and they use the tools and the systems that the franchisor has in place, it's really hard to mess up. And so, Bill, you know, again, me using a, a silly analogy here, when you're landing a big commercial airliner, you guys are thinking, what, miles ahead, right? I mean, you've got the, the runway in sight 20 miles out. It's the same thing with running a business. You just have to have your eyes down the line. Like Derek said, have as long of a cash runway as you can. Don't cut corners. Those are things that lead to success. You know, one of the things that pilots, I think, really excel at is is looking ahead and assessing the threat. And every day that threat is different. You know, it's a thunderstorm in the north today. It's a thunderstorm and icing out of the south tomorrow. It's terrain and visibility the next day. So we have systems in place every day that's, hey, what's the threat for this flight or going forward or my career? So I think that's, I agree with you. I think they're really sharp towards that. But Derek, I'd like to, to peel you back a little bit because you you know, you mentioned a lot of great things. You, you might need to break this down to me like I'm a like I'm a five-year-old, okay, because I'm I'm a Marine pilot here. You've talked about these financing options. So break it down like SBA loans. Is there collateral that goes to that? Do I have to, or will banks just give me money to start a franchise or a business? And then you talk about the 401k loan. You and I have talked offline about that because we don't even know what 
options for financing a business are available and what appeals most to me? Yeah, absolutely. Well, collateral always comes into play with SBA loans. Uh, You can just bet on the fact that if a lender, when they review your loan package, if they see collateral, quite frankly, given SBA standard operating procedures, it says they need to secure it. If collateral exists, they must take it. If collateral doesn't exist, that doesn't mean that your loan won't be approved. It just means that if collateral does exist, the bank needs to take it to securitize that loan. As it relates to collateral in certain states, like Texas, where we're at, or Florida, for instance, there's five what are called homestead states where you can't, by state law, pledge your your primary residence as collateral for a loan. In those states, deals get done all the time. In fact, I would argue the number of deals we do in Texas and, and Florida alone rival, gosh, the volume we do in the other 48 states. I mean, it's just unbelievable the amount of new businesses that start in those two states uh, alone. But collateral is not something that can be pledged if it's coming from your primary residence in those two states, for instance. What I found shocking to learn is that you you said a statement a while back that I just got off, act, you know, if I got off active duty in the military and I had my my thrift savings plan, my TSP, and I've left the military and let's say there's a couple hundred thousand in there and you're telling me that I could use that. And you said these words, tax-free, penalty-free. And I, that kind of blew me away. I've been shocked ever since, kind of like, no, you, you're making that up. Could you expound on that? Because I, I don't fully understand that part. Yeah. A lot of people have retirement plan money. I mentioned earlier that we're asset rich and cash poor in this country. Those dollars uh, in the military, it's a thrift savings plan. If you're a teacher, it's a 403B. If you're in general industry, oftentimes it's a 401K. doesn't really matter. If it's qualified money, if it's pre-tax money, money that you've saved in a pre-tax account from a former employer, those dollars can be rolled over to your, your own company-sponsored plan. So by way of example, we would just say that here in Texas, we would start bill and corporate that would sponsor the Bill Incorporated 401k plan. Your prior money would roll over to the Bill Incorporated 401k plan. And with you as trustee, you can simply wire that money from your plan. As trustee of your plan, you can wire that money from your plan to your corporation. Because the recipient of that money is not a human being. It's not a person. It's not a social security number. Rather, it's a corporation. There is no taxes or penalties that apply in that situation. So all of that money, up to 100% of those dollars can be used in your corporation to start your business or do business as franchise, for instance. Does that make sense? It does. So my understanding is if I had an SBA loan, I would have a monthly payment. Do I have that? How's the payback work? What do I owe my 401k? Yeah, you bet. Because the plan is taking stock ownership in in the plan sponsor in the corporation, it's not debt. So you don't have to budget a line item for debt service in your monthly cash flow like you would with a, with an SBA loan that requires monthly payments. In this case, there are no monthly payments. Literally, one of the owners of your new business is your new company 401k plan. Okay, As a shareholder, there's no obligation to pay those dollars back. Now, many people do. Put their use the, they use their corporation as a cash mechanism as a cash generation mechanism to fund their retirement plans, but there's no obligation to do that. So there's a lot of flexibility there, cash flow wise. What's my financial planner going to say? Does this sound like a? Is he going to think this is a very terrible idea? 
Yeah, well, it it's gotten, honestly, it's gotten a lot more traction in the quote-unquote world of professionals like financial planners, CPAs, attorneys. Everybody's kind of come around our way of thinking over the past 20 years. So it's a lot more common. The transaction's a lot more commonplace today than it was before. But the truth is your financial planner makes money off of your money every month. And so when you take your money out and you invest it in your own corporation, your financial planner is no longer managing those dollars. If they're not managing those dollars, they're not making money. So if they're not making money, they might not speak real well of this transaction. Okay. So just know that that's one underlying factor inside all of this is that your your broker might not might not like the transaction, but the reason they might not like it is, in fact, because they're not going to be managing that money going forward. You're going to invest it in your own business. You know, in, in my mind, Derek, as I look at this, you look at the performance and everybody can look at the performance of their 401k and look at it over the last few years, look at it lifetime, look at it last few months. The return on it, again, what are you making? 2%, 3%. When you look at the case of our marine pilot who owns the 60 uh, water vending machines, each of those machines is, say it's 8,000 bucks or something like that. He's probably taken about 400,000 and put it into those machines, but he's netting 16%. So you take the old 2%, which you know you can't really do anything with, and now you take that same cash asset and you roll it into something that can make you a lot more that becomes a lot more appealing. The other issue that we have when people are attached to their 401ks, when they come to us at say age 50 and they say, well, you know, I've got a $300,000 in my 401k and I can't touch that because that's my retirement. Well, let's put it in the case of an airline captain. Bill, how much are they making? Maybe, you know, if they're flying a triple seven, they're probably making what, $300,000 a year, somewhere around there. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's about right. Anywhere from a uh, three to 400 for a senior triple seven captain. Okay, so now what that tells me is, how am I going to help take care of this person 15 years from now and help them make the same money they're used to? And this is something I face with people in corporate America all the time. I have a client right now that makes $400,000 a year. She spends every penny of it. When she came to us says, I couldn't dare touch that $300,000 in my 401k. That's my retirement. My point to her is, no, your retirement is take your $300,000 a year, multiply by 25 that's the number we need to get to. And so when we look at it from that perspective, then it's like, oh, shoot, I take this 300000 and put it into a business that total investment is 300000 and could be netting me $600,000 a year. Absolutely sign me up. And so that's where the trade-off becomes, this is not risky. It's like, I have to do this because I would like to, in my semi-retirement, have a, a business that is making me money. And why not take these assets now that aren't really growing that fast and let's turn them, let's turn this $300,000 into $3 million. And that, so that's usually our sort of mindset when we're working with a client. Jack, if I could jump in on and, and, and bring you down from the three dollars to $400,000 triple seven captain to what I'd say most of us are, are the hundred to $200,000 FO mm-hmm. that's uh, maybe facing furlough. And I know we're going to talk next week, but if you could give me a teaser, like, like, so let's say I'm worried about my airline job, which I am by the way, and I need something to, to fill the void. I might have a lot of time on my hand. I've got some TSP funds. I can, I can roll into this new venture. Where are you going to steer me? And oh, by the way, I kind of, I don't want to burn my emergency savings. I kind of need to start making, I don't know, 
80 a year to start. Are there businesses out there where that's a reasonable expectation? I understand there's no promises, but for, for the group that I'm with, especially, they're under a lot of pressure. They're looking for the next thing. And maybe it's go work for an organization like Lockheed and they can get a nice stable salary, or maybe this could be their opportunity to start that franchise. Do you have some options where maybe if they're working at full time for now, where they can replace some of that income? Here is why most people struggle with this sort of decision. It's the first year and everybody kind of wants that. If I do this, I'm used to making a hundred thousand dollars a year. Do you think I can make a hundred thousand in the first year? Most responsible franchisors, responsible franchise consultants, financial planners, account. I think that first year you have to be prepared. That is, it is going to be a break even exercise. And, and look at it in the case of say, healthcare franchise, like Derek and I just helped our client Craig invest in. That first year, maybe Craig will break even. Second year, he'll probably be able to net 80,000. Third year, he might be able to net 200. Now here's where it becomes really appealing. Year 10, if he does it right and he is decent at this, he should be able to net 800,000 to a million dollars and have a business that is worth three to $5 million that he can flip. So that's when we talk about, hey, we're a little bit risk averse. We're worried about making this transition. Is it safer to go take that job and take the the 100K? Or is it worth really kind of battening down the hatches and making the investment? I 100% will always tell you, yes, you can make it through that first year. If it puts you in a position to have a multi-million dollar asset and to be making more than that 777 captain, by the way, and to continue down that line. And especially, I actually think, Bill, for what you're talking about, for the, the first officer that is maybe in his or her 30s, 40s, 50s, imagine if you can do this right and build this thing well over the next 10 years and prior to being 50 years old, have a multi-million dollar asset and have a business that's netting you. Let's even be more conservative and say half a million dollars a year. That's worth that first year of building. Yeah, that's right, Jack. I mean, ultimately, I think people need to think about and focus on what their life looks like in the future, five or 10 or even 20 years down the line. Does that equate to a certain dollar figure? Does that equate to spending more time with your kids and grandkids? Does that equate to more time with your your wife? What is good? Define good to me. Good in some respects is money. For other people, it might be time with family. Define that good living, that good life for me. And it's not always money. Money's good. It, it, it allows for all of those other things to happen in life, but it's not always for everybody the goal. There's an element of this discussion that should be focused on that. What, what is your ideal lifestyle in some period of time in the future? I can uh, speak for myself, and I think I represent a lot of the veterans that, that I'm affiliated with or our group. And for me, this, was, this COVID thing was a huge wake-up call because I've, I've, I was doing what I thought everything right. Look, I've had an emergency savings account that can sustain emergencies. I own five rental properties. I thought they all have equity, thought I was doing really well there. I've got a great airline career that was on a tear and I own a small business that's, that's profitable and doing well. Well, when COVID hit, I watched my airline start flying 10% of its passengers and that's a wake-up call. That's not sustainable no matter how senior you are. 
My small business that's primarily geared towards pilots and flight attendants took a, a, an equally sized hit. And then the government's out there encouraging all my tenants to not pay their rent. So I all of a sudden was facing a, a cash burn situation that was monstrous. Okay. And, and I created that in my mind. Like this is the storm that could await me. CARES Act came through and I looked at that as I've got a six month head start to get ready for that storm. And so the epiphany that I have now is I'm the guy that's going to every pilot and every flight attendant going, you got to have a side hustle. You got to have a, a gig out there. So when the airline industry ebbs and flows, which it seems to do every 10 years, and you wonder why we keep choosing this industry. And I won't, I still won't choose anything different, even knowing that this will happen 10 years from now. And I've got a, a quality of life right now that I, I, frankly, I just don't want to give up. I can, I'll be fine. Don't cry for me. I'll be fine, but I don't want to give up my kid's school. I don't want to give up some of the luxuries that I have in my life. And if I can, if I'm still in the fight, which I am at, in my early forties, I'm still in the fight for this quality of life for my family. So my new mission now, my new passion is I want to help military air crew, pilots and flight attendants find their side gig, their side hustle. So defense is a good portion of that. Keep your expenses low. But also when your salary goes from 250 a year to a hundred a year or less, maybe that business on the side can keep that going just fine. So that's kind of where, where I'm coming from for all this. I think it's an incredibly noble thing. And it's something that absolutely, it's interesting how in my mind, pilots don't get enough credit that they deserve. I, I think if you look at where your guys' industry is now, looking at the safety record, it's incredible. So my hat's off to you. Our firm would love to help. But Bill, I don't know if, if, if you want me to talk about some of the things that we do to help people in this journey in terms of how we can kind of give back a little bit. Does that, does that make sense? Well, can you answer this? If I'm a pilot, I think I'm pretty good at running an organization, a small organization, a small team. I've done that in the military many times. If I'm pretty good at that, I don't know what franchise is right for me, what suits my my strengths. I know I have weaknesses, so I need to find the right fit for me. And can you walk us through A to Z on to get there? Absolutely. And you know, we've helped over the years 516 families, people become franchise owners over the last few decades. So we've we've seen it all at this point. The first part of it is starting with a sort of an interview call. I, I want to know, Jill and I, Jill, of course, is my, my partner in, in Franchise Insiders. We want to know who you are. We want to know what matters to you. We want to know about your life. We want to know what your passions are. We want to hear you. We want to hear our clients and understand who they are. We want to know what their goal is. There are similar goals that we have, and then there are things that are unique to all of us. But I will say that the the sort of consistent thing is more freedom, more control, and more wealth. And that's what people want. And so once we can kind of get our arms around what that is, what kind of – and this is just like buying a house. And, and I get it. Sometimes people aren't comfortable discussing finances. And that's – you know, everybody's journey is unique to them. But the more I can know, the more we can understand how much, just like when you buy a house, how much can you invest in a business that you'd feel comfortable with? Let's talk about your financial picture. What sort of cash assets do you have? What do you have in a 401k? What does the credit score look like? The better we can help someone make a decision and build kind of back to what you were asking me before, what does that look like? Does every business cost 300000 Do some cost 50000 The answer is, is that there are smart franchise investments that start at $19,000. That'll work for some people. For some people, it won't. 
But for us to get a good understanding, we want to know what kind of assets somebody has so that we can help them formulate that cash runway. The next step then is having them take our business builder franchise assessment, which is a personality assessment. It's very effective when we work with pilots, when we work with professional athletes. Think about someone that's played football their whole life. We're working with an NFL running back right now. He's played three years in the league. And he's never been a a business person. So we really had to dive into who he is from a personality standpoint. We have an assessment which will show us not only where his personality fits in a franchise, but because hundreds of high performing franchise owners have taken this assessment too, it shows us what types of franchises that he compares to high performers. So then when we come back to him with this or our clients with a, a list of franchises to consider, it is based upon their budget, their territory, their goals of full-time, part-time, absentee. We really take everything into account. And usually what we end up doing is showing people a variety. Here's a semi-absentee. Here's 100% absentee. Here is full-time. Here's low investment. Here's medium investment. Here's high investment. Here's where you compare scientifically to high performers. We start to whittle down. They start to interview franchisors. And typically in about a 12-week process, we whittle it down and they become a franchise owner. Jack, if I could put you on the spot, man, I, this group of pilots that we have, I'm very protective of them. It's a not-for-profit type of establishment. The whole site's built around helping other people. The other owners and I are very, very protective of that. The things that we offer there are things that they can't get anywhere else um, in terms of help and, and service from each other. It's veterans helping veterans. So to put you on the spot, I know there's other franchise consultants out there. If we go through you, can you help us out? Can you guarantee or promise that we'll, we'll get the best deal through you if we go that route? 100%. The Franchise Insiders does something that no other franchise consultancy does, in my knowledge, and that's that depending upon the franchise, when you become a franchise owner through finding a franchise through our firm, we write our clients a check for two to $10,000, essentially cash back. What we do is we take franchise consultants are, are basically compensated like this. We receive a commission from the one-time franchise fee. And so what Jill and I do is we take as much of that commission as we can, two to $10,000 and write a check, give that back to our clients. Actually, Jill's nudging me. It's actually now a direct deposit. We send a direct deposit within days of you closing of two to $10,000 back to our clients. And we love doing that because every penny counts when you're starting a business and being able to, to help sort of seed our clients with a little extra money in a, in a sort of exciting time is something we love doing. So yeah, absolutely. There, you will always, always save more money working with the franchise insiders than you would going directly to a franchise or working with another franchise consultant. Derek, you're a good friend. I've known you for a while, but you're uh, you're not getting off the hook, buddy. Okay. <laughs> so Derek's the the shooting coach for my daughter's shooting team, and uh, but I'm I'm not going to go easy on you, man. I, I've got this group of veterans that's they're phenomenal. If they go through you to do funding, can you help them out a little bit and give them something better than the standard market rate? Yeah, absolutely. We have kind of a, a standing offer to uh, all of our military folks that regardless of how they, they fund their business, they get a 20% discount. So there's no doubt that I'm kind of a tried and true red, white, and blue American. And the military is one of those things that runs deep in my family. 
I was the first one in my family to go to college. I went, I went a different route as I was growing up in this world and jumped into business, but the rest of my family has gone the military route and it runs deep. It runs very, very deep to us. So we've just got a standing offer anytime uh, somebody from the military comes to us, whether it's through you or anybody else, it's an immediate 20% discount. One thing I'll add to that, guys, and, and this is worth mentioning, is that the franchising space in general, I would say, is has a strong pro-military approach because they understand for all the reasons that you've laid out. There are specific programs, VetFran and some other opportunities that a lot of times franchisors will, will give discounts and promotions to prior service veterans, too. So it really is a pretty solid match when you talk about the experiences of veterans and the franchising space. And franchisors respect that and absolutely acknowledge that. So I think there is there is a lot of opportunities. I would absolutely encourage your audience, your tribe of folks to uh, dig into that deeper because there's a lot of, a lot of cool opportunities there. Uh, well, listen, guys, this has been a fantastic discussion. We've covered a lot of topics. I really just wanted to give a couple of minutes to Derek and to Jack to talk about how anybody who's listening to this podcast can engage with them. How do they contact them? What are some of the next steps? So Derek, lead us off on that. Yeah, sure. No, uh, tenantfinancialgroup.com is really a full service funding source for anybody looking to start a business or recapitalize an existing business. It doesn't really matter if people need money for commercial purposes to buy or build a business. It's kind of a one-stop shop, if you will, at Tenant Financial Group. It's real simple, just uh, tenant, T-E-N-E-T, financialgroup.com is our website. It's a great resource, plenty of material there to to learn and read about and, and videos to watch. And it's kind of an interactive learning tool of sorts. But yeah, I would direct people to uh, tenantfinancialgroup.com. And really from there, it's just, we're always an email or a phone call away, all of which is posted right there on the website. Jack, how about you? Sure. From our side at the Franchise Insiders, if you want to see how the franchise world is growing, changing, which franchises people are investing in. I encourage you to go to our Facebook page and give us a follow, the Franchise Insiders, Instagram as well. You'll be able to see when our clients are investing in new franchises. We post updates on which franchises people are investing in, trends that you can see. If you'd like to talk to us, if you'd like to find out what franchise might make sense for you, go to thefranchiseinsiders.com, fill out any of the contact forms. We'll also have a place for Bill, anyone that's coming to us uh, through your group and make sure that they note that they're coming from you. You can even take our franchise assessment for free if you'd like as well. And also for my listeners uh, from for our group, Life After the Boat, there's uh, on the services tab, there's a link to both Tenant Financial Group and to the Franchise Insiders. So thanks for your help for our group, guys. Awesome. Well, once again, as always, our mission here at Tenant Financial Group and From the Ground Up podcast is to provide educational resources and just to talk about some of these current events. And I feel like we've really hit the mark. We hope this has been beneficial for you. We've learned a lot. We're looking forward to hearing through these collective channels about how we can help you guys with small business ownership. That's our mission. Thanks again for joining us for this episode. You can find this episode on all the common podcasting platforms where you get your podcasts. Apple, Google, Spotify. We look forward to hearing from you about what we can do next. We appreciate you and we thank you for listening to today's episode. 